Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you are well. <laughs> Just got me right after lunch. Well, this is going to be a treat. Most of you know from watching my videos that I have a much different view on the global monetary system than we'll call it the mainstream. And I've been called a conspiracy theorist, a tinfoil hatter, and on Twitter, much, much worse. <laughs> because of my view that the Fed isn't, is not the sun in the global monetary system or the dollar monetary system. It's the commercial banks. They control the dollar. I always say that Jerome Powell really doesn't control the dollar. It's Jamie Dimon. And obviously I'm using Jamie Dimon as a proxy for the global cartel of banks that make up the euro dollar system. Now, this idea is, is not mine. It's obviously Jeff Snyder's, who's a good friend of mine and who's someone that I just have a massive amount of respect for. And I've personally learned a lot from and what I've learned from Jeff has really shaped my worldview. And then I've taken what I've learned from him, and then I've kind of added layers to that. So it's it's not that I agree with everything Jeff says. I mean, you can just look at inflation, and uh, you can see where we disagree there. But I've been able to incorporate all the just years and years and years of research he's done and use that to build a framework that I think is maybe more complete and accurate. I'm not saying it's more complete than Jeff's, but it's it's far more complete than anyone, uh, anyone else pretty much I know out there, right? And again, this is why I get can, labeled a nut job and blah, 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 blah. So let's get into this, uh, re this recent video podcast from Blockworks. There's a great podcast. If you're not listening to it, you really need to. And go over this, and, and they are talking to a global banking cartel insider. So the, the guy's name is Robert, and he used to work at the BIS, and he used to work at the Fed, New York Fed, and the BIS. You can't get more of an insider than that. And he reveals how the system truly works. And I've got it queued up, and this came out just yesterday, I believe. And the title of this video of the podcast is The Fate of the Global Dollar, Fate of Global Dollar Credit with Robert McC McCauley. Hopefully I said, did I say Robert before? If not, I apologize, Robert. And then a good friend of the show and a good buddy of mine, Joseph Wang. Okay, here we go. Joseph, you, you've read uh, Bob's work immensely. How about you start off with the, the first question? Yeah, so, you know, gosh, I don't know where to start. There's Bob has dozens and dozens of publications on, on this subject. But I guess what will be helpful is maybe, Bob, if you could just sketch out what the uh, euro dollar system looks like today, and then we can talk about perhaps how it began. So just to have a little bit of background uh, of, of the system for, for the audience. The euro dollar system is a interlinked set of balance sheets that uh, straddles the globe, involves actors in most countries. And before we go on, interlinked system of balance sheets. In other words, an interlink, interlinked network of ledgers uh, building on the global currency, the indispensable currency, the dollar. There's uh, a credit aspect to it. There's a deposit aspect to it. It all gets measured in trillions and tens of trillions of dollars. Measured in tens of trillions of dollars. How many dollars are on deposit in the United States? Let's call it roughly 18, 19 trillion. Okay, so outside of the United States, what he's saying there is that there are a lot more dollars outside than there are inside. And how do those dollars get there? 
<laughs> it's mostly not in the textbooks. The textbooks tell you that the Fed creates dollars and then banks multiply those dollars so that all the dollars in the world are somehow either the direct creation of, of the central bank in the United States or a fairly mechanical multiplication of a portion of those dollars by the banking system, likewise in the United States. Where have you heard that before? Have you guys ever heard that before? That the, that the Fed prints money and the Fed controls the dollar? And that sure, well, banks might lend it into existence, George, but it's all about base money. So if the Fed creates more bank reserves and that gives the banks more balance sheet capacity and in practice, they go out there and they have this multiplier effect on bank reserves so they can lend a lot more if there's a lot more base money. So the Fed controls the broad money through the base money. So it's really the same thing. The Fed is controlling the dollar. The Fed prints money. The Fed creates liquidity. Ever heard that before? Turns out that the dollar sort of got away from that whole uh, setup a couple of generations ago and now spans the globe. It has both banking aspects to it. It has uh, a bond market aspect to it. It has a very large uh, invisible off-balance sheet uh, component to it that is uh, wildly underappreciated. Invisible off-balance sheet component that is wildly underappreciated. So I want to make sure you got that. It is the second language in currency terms for the rest of the world, just as people speak English after they speak their own uh, language in general. So too, for most users of various currencies around the world, then the next currency is the dollar, the, the one that features in their international portfolio in the first rank. And that's the, the, the dollar uh, system. That, there you go. Again, I can't encourage you enough to listen to the whole video or listen to the whole podcast. But the, the main takeaways here and the point I'm trying to get at is every single time you turn on CNBC or you go to FinTwit, or anything like this, Bloomberg, doesn't matter. It's all about the Fed. All, oh my gosh, is the Fed doing QT? Well, they're taking liquidity out of the system. Is the Fed doing QE? Oh, well, they're injecting liquidity into the system. Oh my gosh, what's happening to the TGA? That's injecting liquidity into the system. The reverse repo, it's, it's basically the Fed's balance sheet, the Fed's balance sheet, the Fed's balance sheet, you see? So if we have a Silicon Valley bank type situation, well, then the Fed has to inject liquidity into the market. Really? Really? So what that implies is the banking system, the global cartel of banks could not provide that liquidity. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Ceresna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of 
out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Let me ask you a question. Did Silicon Valley Bank need bank reserves or did they need cash? You see, it wasn't base money that they needed. Now that could have worked, but they just needed cash, plain and simple. Didn't matter if that cash was a liability of a commercial bank like JP Morgan or Deutsche or HSBC or Euro Dollar Bank XYZ or a liability of the Fed. It didn't matter. They just needed cash. So this system outside of the purview of the Fed, outside of the United States, can provide and create as much dollar liquidity as it wants. There is no limit, nothing, zero, because it's not based on reserves. It's not based on green pieces of paper. It's simply based on a network of banks' ledgers. And if there is trust in the system, and if there's enough collateral, then those ledgers are infinite. They can provide as much liquidity to Silicon Valley Bank, First Republic, Credit Suisse, Signature, Lehman, Bear Stearns, so the, the Fed isn't really injecting liquidity because what this implies is that the system is lacking liquidity or the system is lacking the ability, the capacity to provide that liquidity. Therefore, the Fed has to come in. No, 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 no. That, that is not the way it works. So what you're doing there is, is, is you're, you've got an engine that's burning a massive amount of oil. And every 10 miles, you've got to put more oil into the engine. And what you're doing there is you're saying, oh my gosh, well... You know, the, the problem is that the in, that the, the car is low on oil, so we got to put more oil in. No, 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 no. That's not the problem. And I'm using oil as a metaphor for bank reserves, let's say the Fed's balance sheet. Now, the problem is not that there's not enough bank reserves in the system. The problem is that your engine is burning a quart of oil every 10 miles. That's the problem. And if you look at the Fed's balance sheet as just the, the center of the monetary universe, then you don't see the forest for the trees. You don't see the actual problem. And, it, and it's not just with liquidity. I'm just using that as one example. We're talking about QE. We're talking about inflation. We're talking about QT. We're talking about so many things that people see as one thing when really it's something completely different. And if you can just get your head around the fact that there is no relationship or there is no dependency for the creation of dollars. Uh, there's no dependency on the Federal Reserve for the creation of dollars. And that is co a completely independent process. Then it gives you a framework to see the world much more clearly and much more accurately. And then that enables you to predict probabilities much better. So another real world example, remember when everyone was saying that the whole world was going to come to an end because if we didn't, uh, or once we got past this debt ceiling, that Janet Yellen filling up the TGA would drain so much liquidity from the market that everything would blow up. And on this channel, I said, listen, there's a lot of things to be concerned with. I talk about them all the time, but Janet Yellen filling up the TGA is not one of them. And why did I say that? Because of that framework that I had built understanding that at the end of the day, the market can provide as much liquidity as it wants. Bank reserves are irrelevant as long as the counterparty risk is at a certain level.
So whenever you listen to another podcast or you listen to, you know, XYZ guru or the mainstream media, and they talk about how the Fed is injecting liquidity or the Fed is taking away liquidity or whatever, you know, it, 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 in a certain, to a certain degree on paper, what they're saying is correct. But that's very similar to me saying that by taking my beer and dumping it into the ocean, I am putting extra liquidity into the Pacific Ocean. Uh, yeah, but not really. <laughs> Maybe I am putting 12 ounces of liquidity into the Pacific Ocean, but it ain't going to do anything at the end of the day because the Pacific Ocean is a lot more powerful than my stupid 12-ounce Coors Light or whatever. And this is what people need to understand. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. We'll see you in the next video.